Yeah, I agree. I think I'm going to go with a nice, a nice fun one-one draw. And by fun, I mean absolutely terrible. Tipping Liverpool to stay up this year. <laughs> Thanks for explaining how the Premier League works, then. Enjoy that, now. No. <laughs> uh, Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Football Times podcast with myself, RadioTimes.com sport editor Michael Potts. I forgot my name last week, but I didn't this week. And I'm joined in the virtual studio by Mr. Jake Wilson with some spiky looking hair uh, from BBC Match of the Day magazine. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm good. We're improving, Michael. We've got the names down. We've got the job titles. Now the opinions. That's the next thing. It's taken, what, a whole year and I've started to remember my own name. It's progress. It's it's baby steps, but it's progress. <laughs> um, I don't know what's going on at the moment. How are you doing? Oh, he's taking a drink. <laughs> I'm fine. Sorry, got my, uh, got my Vimto there. Just having a little, uh, little sip. Yeah, no, there's a, there's no one's got anything to report, have they? No one's got anything to report except FPL changes. I, I mean, that's basically it, isn't it? Half of my half of my chat half of my chats are, oh, it's quite sunny out today. Oh, should I triple Captain Harvey Barnes? Um, we'll come to that decision later on in the show. Uh, for now, we're going to look at some of the biggest games you can watch on TV this week. Um, and it, yeah, once again, the Premier League fixtures are coming thick and fast. And there's another big one, well, a big few coming up this weekend uh, with ramifications at both ends of the table. Uh, we'll start with a, a near top of the table clash. Um, not something I would have expected to say before the season, uh, but this is Manchester City versus West Ham United. High flying West Ham United. Uh, that's a twelve thirty kickoff on Saturday on BT Sport. Um, we'll mainly discuss City, I think, in this one. But I mean, if you're West Ham, I don't think you can wave this match. Like well rested, outstanding form, no pressure whatsoever, nothing to lose, no fear. You just got to go for it, really, don't you, if you're West Ham? Um, but yes, they are up against City. And my word, this is a good City side. What do you make of them, Mr. Jake Wilson? Yeah, I think they're reaching the peak of their powers, Michael. Um, a few years under Guardiola, he's got those players playing very much the way he wants to. They've got the ball all the time, suffocating the opposition, basically, with their possession. Um, and as soon as they lose it, if they do, um, they're just they're pressing so hard, so actively in that final third, um, winning the ball back so high, intercepting the ball left, right and centre. They just gave teams no options when they do get the ball um, against Gladbach. They just couldn't get out of their half. It was it was um, it was tough. Gladbach didn't touch the ball in the city penalty box for the whole first half. And this, you know, this isn't a bad side. This is one of the best sides in Germany. Um, just City are on another level at the minute. Um, it is like a, a dangerous time. They look like a pack, don't they, City, when they play? They're, they're like, they're swarming everywhere. And it's 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 not schoolyard football, but it's a little bit schoolyard football. And I quite like that. There's sort of, I, I totally agree, like suffocating is the word. Like, one, I think there's a few times in that first half, uh, Gladbach would get up to sort of just into City's half or just up to the final third line occasionally and every time it was just like City players just there like a, like a swarm they were hunting in packs pretty much and and not always sticking a you know sticking a big foot in there or anything but just sort of just squeezing the life out of Gladbach a little bit it was it was it was so impressive to watch so hard to play against and energy something to play against as well I guess definitely and, um, and I think 
think Guardiola recognised that. He got asked about um, how well his defenders have been doing after the the Gladbach game, um, and in the full line, he was gave credit to Sterling and Silva and Jesus because that's where the defending starts. Um, f- football now with the, the top sides um, is becoming a, a game of attacking and, and defending through being brilliant in your attacks. Um, and even though City weren't as clinical as um, they would have wanted to, only be go back to nil Jesus, um, frustrating as ever. Um, when you don't give the opposition any chances, you only need one of those to go in, um, and it's pretty comfortable. Mm, absolutely, yeah. And I liked a bit of the um, Cancelo analysis last night when they were the BT guys looking at him. Um, playing as this sort of weird, almost this this new role of like a central, like a central, like an inside fullback. Um, so just, I don't know, like a quarterback, just sort of pinging little balls over the top and, and just appearing in places where a fullback doesn't, has no right to be. Um, it's, it's just this other sign, isn't it? It's just Pep. I, I guess he, he maybe... I think sometimes we were a little bit cautious about Pep coming to the Premier League. Like, will his methods work? Will his tactics work? Will his sort of innovations come off? Will, will they actually work in the Premier League, which is is such a, a tough league to play in? And and things like Cancelo there is proving that absolutely Pep's innovations can can come off and, and in style as well, and not just sort of to make it pretty. Like actually having Cancelo drift in and with, with the quality he's got to pick a pass as well. It's like every player in this team is designed to pick a pass and to, to play the killer ball. And like when you've got when you've got basically every player in your team capable and willing and able and positioned to play a killer ball, I mean, you are just going to create so many chances, even, you know, Jesus, not the most clinical striker, um, but, but even he can sort of, you know, find that one goal. And, and when Stones and Diaz are are keeping such a tight ship at the back. Um, you just are going to win games. You are going to win football games. It's 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 remarkable to see how how effective basically every player is in in all forms. Like you say there, um, Sterling attacking and defensively just sound. Um, it, it, people tracking back, people are getting forward. Just everything, everything about City is just designed to to crush. <laughs> And it didn't happen overnight. Like um, Cancelo was was on the bench a lot last season. It's taken him a little while to settle into what um, what Pep wants from him. Um, so credit to Guardiola, stuck with it. He's had some tricky moments the last two seasons, really. Um, but they are on an absolute tear. And <laughs> like you said, West Ham are in the form of their lives. But you know, even still, you can't you can't see them being able to withstand that sort of barrage. Mm, absolutely. Any uh, any predictions for us in this one? It's really, really hard to see City doing anything other than getting that 20th win in a row. Um, West Ham, they've got hope. City aren't weren't clinical and they've got magic, you know, in, in Fornals and Antonio and Craig Dawson, you know, always pops up with a goal um, to, to uh, you know, get a few points for West Ham. But I can't see it here. I think City win again and will win again and continue to keep winning all the time. Absolutely. I think I'm going to go with a oh, sneaky little 1-0, sneaky 2-0, but that, that, that'll do City. They just need to grind out those wins. And, and even a 1-0 win against someone like West Ham is a, is a fantastic result. 
um, and keeps their, their surge towards the quadruple very much on the rails. Um, once that game finishes, you can switch over from BT Sport to Sky Sports, Premier League, Main Event and Now TV um, for a slightly ch- different change of pace here uh, for West Brom v Brighton. Uh, Brighton, of course, fresh from a defeat in the Glen Murray M23 derby, a true friend of the pod. Um, that that game is long gone now, but you know we enjoyed that. We enjoyed that. Um, what was the guy? Uh, Jean Jean Philippe Mateta. Unbelievable finish. Unbelievable strike. Worthy of any M23 oh. Glen Murray derby. What a, what a finish that was. Yeah, a wonderful, wonderful goal. Um, but you know, Palace had two shots in the game basically, and and scored them both. Um, and I think that is indicative of, of Brighton's season. Mm. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're talking here about West Brom versus Brighton, and I think the away side are the strangest team in the Premier League. Um, uh, with expected goals um, and expected points through those goals in the Premier League, but we do not live in a time of expected points. Um, we live in the real world where they are readily uh, in a relegation battle. Um, they against uh, Palace because they had all of the ball against Palace. Veltman scored to make it 1-1 against Mateta and then Benteke stole it at the death with a rasping shot. Um, but but Grandpa is going to be pulling his hair out. Um, he's got everything going right at Brighton, but they fluffed it in the derby again um, just because they can't put the ball in the net um, so West Brom could well capitalise here mm, Absolutely in West Brom um, obviously they're, they're sitting there in, in pretty dire straits they're down in 19th um, but, but draws are coming there are, are sort of minor improvements and they dug deep against Man United Obviously, the red card didn't help against Burnley. They still managed a, a nil-nil draw there. Not glamorous results, but it's it's something. And I think when you when you're down there with what 14 points at this stage of the season, um, I mean, you, you you're pretty much going to take what you get. And um, I mean, I, I think we can 11 point gap. I think we can kind of start to rule them out. Um, obviously, we've seen some mad things happen. Fulham have dragged their way back into contention. Um, West Brom, they've got Brighton, Everton, Newcastle, Crystal Palace as their next four. Um, if they are going to stay up, that four is, is crucial there. There's got to be a few wins there. And considering they've only won twice all season so far, um, it's a big ask for, for West Brom. But um, And uh, one player I think we do need to talk about, West Brom, one sort of bright ray of light uh, in, in what has been a, a fairly dark season. Uh, and by Diagne. Uh, up front, he's uh, came in from on loan from Galatasaray. Very Sam Allardyce signing, going out there, bringing in some power, some pace, some a big man up to to lead the line, and and he's doing that so far. I mean, four four games so far, four starts. He's got one goal and an assist, a couple of near misses, and he's hit the woodwork already as well. Um, you feel like if they are going to pull off the unthinkable, uh, Diagne is the guy. Good guy to do that, really. Have you have you seen much of him at all? Have you seen much of West Ham to be West Brom to be encouraged about? I actually don't think the signs at West Brom are that bad. Um, it, they just might be um, good too late. Uh, I watched the the Burnley game, and even though it wasn't the, a massive thriller, they definitely looked like the side that were going to win it if if either were. 
Um, Diagne has, you said, has a chance. Um, I think Tarkovsky headed it off the line. Matthias Pereira, who's been their most creative player all year, he looked really good again. Um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, another January uh, transfer, he looked really good. Um, but I think these these January transfers that they got in um, have just come too late. In the summer, they brought in Ivanovic and Colin Grant. Neither have really impacted or or done anything to to show that they're at Premier League level at the moment. Um, so I think they struggled too much in the start of that season. And now they've got kind of a bit more defensive solidity, Bartley and Sam Johnstone at the back, um, putting in performances. Um, I just think it's come too late for them, unfortunately. But, you know, if it, if it does mean that they're going to go down this year, surely they're going to be in a really good, strong spot for uh, tackling a championship season. Snodgrass, you'd think, he's just going to destroy the championship. The amount of assists he's going to get when he's not playing against Diaz or Digne every week, not to discredit the championship. There's some very talented ballers there, but um, Snodgrass is, is brilliant and his, his set-piece delivery surely will help West Brom succeed in the championship next season if that is the way it goes. Mm, yeah, I think I agree. It's, uh, I mean, yeah, those those four games I mentioned, like they've got to win. They've got to win probably, potentially even three of those to to even have a slight chance um, of of staying up. And if anybody can do it, it's probably Sam Allardyce, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I think they have just left things too late, and I, I don't think West Brom fans would complain too much um, if we if we do sort of say they look like they're they're pretty much down and out. Um, but like you say, that's a strong team there and, and some good new additions in there. People like Colin Grant, it's the sort of player who could actually take off in the championship next year if if West Brom do go down and, and then come back or come back up with West Brom, you know, sort of being in a bit of the, the flow of, of, of West Brom, being familiar with his teammates, a bit of confidence behind him. Um, I don't think it's sort of some of these lads, it's not the end of the road for the Premier League, um, in, in the Premier League for them. Um, but yeah, it, it looks like a mammoth task, uh, and and obviously they need to start off that little run of games with win against Brighton. Uh, can you see it coming? I can, but um, I I think both sides are going to kind of negate each other here. I think Brighton are going to be itching to have a better performance, but still not going to be able to score. West Brom much better defensively. I'm thinking a draw here, which doesn't really help either side at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think I'm going to go with a nice, a nice fun one-one draw, and by fun, I mean absolutely terrible. But still, tune in. <laughs> it could be an interesting three o'clock kickoff uh, with plenty on the line between West Brom and Brighton. Um, and moving on, once all of that is said and done, uh, we have a four thirty kickoff on Sunday afternoon. Uh, it's on Sky Sports Premier League main event and now TV. Uh, it's Chelsea, and they're up against Manchester United. What a game! What a game between two sides. Uh, who, well, they're, they're sort of the chasing pack, aren't they, really? And, and particularly Chelsea, I think we'll focus on those those guys. Um, what a win that was in the week against the Echo. Um, 64% possession, they conceded zero shots on target in a Champions League knockout game. Um, they, they had double the foul count of Atletico as well. <laughs> they're they an aggressive side at Chelsea under under Tuchel. Um, bit, of, bit of aggression, we like to see that from a young side. Um, what do you make of them? What, what have you seen so far? Yeah, I think it's all set on their defensive turnaround, isn't it? Since two calls come in, their their clean sheets have gone through the roof. Um, they got six in their last eight, um, and under Lampard, it was six in their last sixteen, I think. So they've he's turned that around. 
you know, immediately. Like you said, I feel like I didn't have a shot on target. Um, you know, Chelsea have conceded the lowest XG of any Premier League team since Tuchel's come in. Um, and some of the different names that he's put on the team sheet, he's brought in Alonso that he's put a lot of trust into um, down that left flank. Um, he's got Rudiger back in from from the cold, really. He wasn't really playing under under Lampard. Um, so, so he's definitely got that base set. Um, so if you've got your FPL assets, um, maybe Mendy in goal or Rudiger, who's 4.5, um, they aren't bad shouts. But I think it comes to the attacking um, options that he's got and making those work. Lampard, I think, had the same problem. Um, they brought in Havertz, Ziyech and Werner in the summer, um, and none of them have really played to their potential. Um you know, the only probably attacker you could say that has is Mason Mount, who who's still under Tuchel is, is putting in performances. There's a lot of talk about him being Lampard's uh, uh, class class favourite. Um, and maybe he wouldn't play so much under Tuchel, but, you know, he's undroppable at the minute. He's impacting games. He's, he's scoring goals, getting assists. Um, and, and when you look at the players around him, um, Pulisic not really around it at the minute. Ziyech not really around it. Werner, Abraham, he keeps hooking at half time. Mount's the one he can trust. So, Chelsea, yes, very good defensively. They're going to keep a lot of clean sheets, but are they going to be able to score enough goals to beat enough teams when they don't? Mm. I was going to say, one player I've been very impressed with, um, and, and actually impressed uh, with Tuchel, Tuchel's trust in him, um, is Callum Hudson-Odoi, um, sort of shifting this right wing-back role, sort of unfamiliar territory for him. And I know there was some criticism before, wasn't there? He, he, he came on in 46 minutes, subbed off half an hour later. Um, sort of one of those embarrassing, embarrassing sort of moments um, that social media jumped all over. Um, I actually really liked that management. I thought that was some very good management. I think it's driving standards up at Chelsea. I think there's a lot of players at Chelsea who, you know, some of these, the big signings or, or the younger players coming through, obviously Hudson-Odoi, we know how how much raw talent he has. Uh, he's on 120 grand a week. Like he's earning a lot of money for, for for raw talent, and I just think it's quite good to drive those standards up a little bit. Really, um, you know, not accepting. I mean, again, whether Hudson Odoi really deserved to come off, who knows? That's that's a potential. But actually, bringing him off, seeing that was the reason, being pretty blunt and honest with it, and then seeing the response from Hudson Odoi against Atletico Madrid. Um, I think that's an impressive move by Tuchel to do and and impressive on Hudson-Odoi's part for coming back and, and proving a point to Tuchel, why he deserves to be in the team. Um, I know a lot of players would have sort of sulked and, and, and that would have been the end of their career at the, at the chosen club, but, but Hudson-Odoi trusted there in a Champions League knockout game. Um, I think that's really good. And I think somebody like Hudson-Odoi needs... Maybe maybe a bit of a fur, somebody to, to steer his career a little bit because he feels like he's been around for a little while, um, just maybe not quite f- fulfilling that potential yet. Um, he's still very young, but I think it's nice to see Tuchel actually uh, investing in him and, and moulding him, shaping him a little bit, um, especially in a time where, like you say, Pulisic, uh, Ziyech, th- those sorts of guys have it. They're not really turning up. Um, and credit to Mason Mount as well. Again, another young player who just needs somebody to to guide him through the early stage of his career. We forget how young young these guys are, but Mount is running the show like like a mature. He's been around the block sort of player. Um, obviously, with with the Euros coming up, 
Um, hopefully, we hope. Uh, Euros coming up. Jordan Henderson out for a while. Is he going to be to be fully fit for the Euros? Mount coming into form. You know, could he play that sort of role? Uh, it's interesting, but but certainly um, impressive signs from two girls so far. Uh, Kovacic as well playing well. While I'm on a while I'm on a rant about them, uh, Kovacic playing well there in that um, in that midfield. And and yeah, they just look robust, don't they? They just look robust. Um, Minamino, Takumi Minamino is the only opponent to score past two girls Chelsea so far, uh, plus a uh, Antonio Rudiger ungol, um, <laughs> eight game streak, unbeaten streak to start start his reign. Um, job done, really. Can't get much better than that. And now they're facing Manchester United. How do you see that one going down? The proper test, isn't it? Um, United will have played um, Sociedad on Thursday, so we'll have less rest than Chelsea for this. Um, and you can see it, see it going um, pretty pretty to the book. I think Chelsea are going to want more of the ball. Uh, United try and um, dismantle them on the counter-attack as they did to Sociedad in the first leg. Um, but I think it's going to be tight, but I'm, I'm going with Chelsea. You've made me excited with the Mason Mount thing. Reports are coming in, Michael, that Euro 2020 is probably going to be moved to England. So can you imagine it? Mount and Declan Rice lifting the Euros. For, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Chelsea are going to win as well. <laughs> no, there is no getting ahead of ourselves because it is coming home, factually. <laughs> um, yeah, we wait to see what happens with the Euros, but I, I did see those reports as well. Whole tournament in England? I think we'll talk about that another time, but fingers crossed that happens um, in time for June 21st when everything is totally, totally going to be fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but for now, this weekend... Yeah, I can see a bit of a stalemate here. Um, two very different styles, as you said. Chelsea keeping the ball defensively sound against Man United, uh, who will throw the kitchen sink on the counter-attack. Um, I think I could see an exciting game here. I think I'd see a one-all draw, two-all draw, but I think there's a lot of um, a lot of interest in this one and obviously a lot at stake with, with the top four battle heating up. Um, moving on to Fantasy Premier League, and we have a massive week coming up in Fantasy Premier League. Um, basically, double game weeks all around. Um, how did last week go for you, Mr. Wilson? And what's coming up? What's on the agenda uh, for this week? Um, it went it went pretty well. Um, I think it went as, as it always does for me. I had one point more than average, and that I will take. Um, <laughs> that's always the benchmark is to beat the average. Um, Leeds killed me. I, I didn't have any Leeds players, and the, the, the two people above me in my mini league both had they both had Dallas, they both had Rafinha, and they both had Bamford, and they had a captain of one of them, and they've just flown above. That red arrow was, was very nasty I got this week. So um, anyway, we move past that to to the double game week. And well, I, I don't want to I don't want to move quite past that just yet because um, please do you, do you ask me who I captain last week, Jake Wilson? Um, Dallas. <laughs> I went and brought in Rafinha and captained him for one week, and now I've already subbed him out. It was just a one week wonder. Got twenty four points. Fantastic. Beautiful. Um, John, John yeah. really. Um, now Captain is hard now, isn't it, though? With so many players, got so many great fixtures. You've got Kane, Burnley and Fulham, Bruno, Chelsea and Palace, Vardy, Arsenal and Burnley, Calvert-Lewin, Southampton, West, West Brom, Salah, Sheffield United, Chelsea. How do you pick captain there? I was going to say, I've, um, I'm actually making a bold decision this week, which is to just click that triple captain button <laughs> and not quite decide who is going to get it until the last minute. Um, I've had this 
I like a rogue shadow. For some reason, I treat my triple captain as more of a risk than just a normal captaincy. Like, I treat the normal captaincy with utmost seriousness. And when it comes to triple captain, I'm just like, let's go for a differential. Um, For starters, I'm steering away from Spurs. I think a lot of people have thrown Kane in there. A lot of people have thrown Sun in there. And in seasons gone by or start of season, absolutely. Um, I'm not backing Spurs to to score that many goals in this, in those two games. Burnley, tough tough team to play against. You know they're not an easy team. They struggled against them earlier in the season. Um, so I'm steering clear of that. Those guys. Um, I'm leaning towards. I really want a triple captain, Harvey Barnes, and mm-hmm. I just need somebody to talk me down from that ledge. Who are they playing? Who are they playing? Oh, Harvey Barnes. I'll, I'll have a quick check for you there. Um, Harvey Barnes has Arsenal at home and Burnley away. That's not easy. See, see, my leaning is Calvert-Lewin. So, again, not one of the big six. Um, but the mm. fixtures are good. Southampton leaking goals. West Brom don't score loads. I think Calvert-Lewin could, could fight and get one there. Um, yeah, it's you've got to look at the player, but you've also got to look at the fixtures, don't you? I, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at Harvey Barnes' stats here. The, the point he's got since... Let's go for the last 10 games here, or 11 games even. 7, 8, 2, 9, 6, 6, 8, 3, 3, 12, 13. And here we are. And I just I just think he's getting better with each with each week. He can score. He scored nine so far this season. He's got seven clean sheets. He's got five assists. Ooh, I don't know. Arsenal, Arsenal you know, they, they do still concede goals. Uh, and Burnley have, have in them sort of the ability to be destroyed, although I know I've just made the opposite point when it came to Spurs. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think with James Madison out as well, a lot more pressure on Barnes to deliver. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm leaning towards it, but but I, I agree with your Calvert-Lewin chat, though. Southampton, West Brom, two good fixtures there for Calvert-Lewin. I think my only, my only issue with Calvert-Lewin is that he seems to be a bit of a one-goal guy or a, or a one-assist guy. I don't think he's quite as explosive as a Harvey Barnes. I think Barnes could go out there and get a hat-trick. Um, Calvert-Lewin is more of a consistent, sort of he'll pick up six or seven a week. Um, a lot of decisions to make, basically, Mr. Wilson. But, um, but triple captain, I think, is the way this, this, this week. Yeah, I think you've got to be brave. Um, but this, I've just got too many to pick from. My front six, I could pick any of them. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Three. I, I also think Fernandez against Chelsea and Crystal Palace. I know, again, we've talked about Chelsea being so solid, but Fernandez is almost worth it for Palace alone. I mean, Palace are conceding goals, conceding chances. Another one the other day, but um, they're giving a lot of big teams a lot of a lot of joy um, at Selhurst Park. So, so we'll see about that one. But um, yeah, I think it's really tough. I mean, like, like you say, I think a triple captain is a good choice. Who you put it on? It's a bit of a random choice, isn't it? Really? It's a bit of a random pick and hope for the best. But, you know. Let's go Matt Loughton. Michael, me and you, mate, both go Matt Loughton triple captain, eh? <laughs> Oh, mate. It will, honestly, honestly, it will not take me much to. It does not take much to convince me that Matt Loughton is triple captain material. Um, trust me on that one. My absolute boy. Um, we'll, we'll see how that goes next week, but I think, yeah, a triple captain is in order. Tune back in next week to see how we how we fare on that one. Uh, best of luck if you are deploying your triple captain. And, uh, and just finally as well, while we're on the subject uh, a little bit earlier about West Brom and, and great escapes, that got, got me, and, me and Mr. Wilson thinking about our greatest escapes. Sunderland, Wolves, 
been a lot of uh, a lot of <laughs> terrible results and a lot of good results um, over the years. Any any ones that stand out for you? Oh yeah, the one that the, the, the firmed up everything in my kind of childhood adolescence. Twenty eleven. Let me take you back, Michael. <laughs> um, last day of the season, Wolves at home to Blackburn. Now both sides could go down. Apparently, there was eighty one different scenarios for relegation that season. Oh, wow. uh, five teams all in the mix, and at halftime, Wolves were three 0 down. We got absolutely rinsed by Steve Keane's Blackburn. <laughs> oh, Steve Keane. <laughs> I know, Steve Keynes, uh, Roberts scored a deflection, Emerton scored a volley, Junior Hoyler, you know, rounded it off. Um, it was looking bleak. Um, but in that second half, didn't give up. Did play a lovely free kick routine early on in the second half. Jamie O'Hara scored it. Um, so that was lovely. Um, and and the news was filtering around. I remember it. The, the crowd was murmuring, proper proper last day stuff that if we scored one more, we would stay up on goals scored. Get this over Birmingham. Oh, oh, 87th minute, Michael, Stephen Hunt, the legend, Stephen Hunt curls one into the far post three, two we're losing, but we celebrate it. Like we just won the FA cup. (laughs) Um, And we had, we had three minutes to, to hold out. Birmingham heard the news. They pushed everyone forwards. They were drawing against Spurs. Pavlinchenko scored on the counter uh, for Spurs. So we stayed up. Birmingham went down. And the celebrations after that, Michael. Oh, my family and my mates, we were all there. It was it was like, like nothing I've experienced. Epic. That's very good. That's a good one. Mm. I, I feel like when I was thinking about this for, for Sunderland, um, Every season for the past 10 years has pretty much been a relegation battle and, and half of them we've probably failed and half of them we've succeeded. So <laughs> there's a lot of choice. I, I narrow it down to a few. Um, very quickly, the one that didn't make the, the, the top two, uh, Paolo Di Canio, 2012-2013, basket case. Um, 13 games, three wins, three draws, including a 3-0 win against Newcastle uh, to keep us up. That was, a, that was a good one. That was a good one. And then... Uh, but yeah, I think the two the two that stick in my head season after Gus Poirier when he came in, thirteen uh, yeah. fourteen, um, having beaten Newcastle uh, again three nil. I want to keep mentioning that one. Um, we also beat United uh, for the first time in forty six years. Uh, Bar- Fabio Barini was a key player that season. Keyson Young was excellent. He was basically the only player who played for the first half of the campaign. Um, and then Connor Wickham, Connor Wickham, right at the end, right at the death in the last few games. Uh, I think Poya talked about needing a miracle. And then Connor Wickham popped up and scored five in three. Um, he won Player of the Month. He did everything. He smashed it. And I think we were safe with with like many points to spare by the end of the year. It was it was unreal. It was unbelievable. Um, but my number one, and and I may have gone through some of this story before, so I'll, I'll keep it keep it short. But. Um, Mr. Sam Allardyce in 2015-2016. Um, Dick Abergat was sacked uh, despite beating Newcastle 3-0. Um, once again, there was a theme and I made sure that that came out, that we beat Newcastle three times 3-0 in five years, but let's move on. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, Allardyce came in, got Defoe, uh, Jermaine Defoe ticking. Uh, Jermaine Defoe, who is going to be a free agent this summer. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, Allardyce went and brought in Lamine Corner, massive centre-back, uh, and Wabi Kazri. Um, we already had Yanam Villa, 
uh, kicking around on loan, who genuinely goes down as one of the greatest players I've ever seen in a red and white shirt. Uh, and Jan Kirchhoff, who is one of the prettiest players I've ever seen in a red and white shirt. Um, gorgeous passer of the ball as well. Uh, that's why I moved out of London. Um, that was five years ago. I moved out of London, homesick. I was just fed up with life. Uh, didn't want to be there when I moved down originally. Um, and that's when I went to a pub to watch my first game. Uh, it was in a, a, a Sunderland Supporters Branch pub. Uh, we went in and um, it was against Chelsea. We uh, ended up, Bobby Casri scoring this unbelievable volley. Um, bit of a, a back and forward sort of game. Um, Allardyce had us, had us ticking on nicely. And then uh, it came near the end of the game, two all. Jermaine Defoe, oh, go and type it in, go and type it in. He, uh, <laughs> he slotted home and uh, to win the game 3 2. And <laughs> the celebrations in that pub, man, the celebrations there. It, it, the, the, the second goal we scored, um, basically the celebration was so wild, the, the owner turned the TV off. So like we, we actually missed the celebrations because uh, they, t- they turned the TV off, saying that we were too noisy. Um, flicked it back on. He said, if you do it one more time, mind, you're all out. And then uh, obviously when, when Defoe scored that one, I, I mean, I've seen things in that pub. The Albion, <laughs> I believe it was, in Shoreditch, uh, it just went off, man. There was people there spilling out of windows. And um, yeah, I've, I've, that was an unbe- unbelievable game. And that basically kept us up. Uh, the week after we beat Everton 3-0, Roberto Martinez, Everton 3-0, um, which kept us officially kept us up and officially relegated Newcastle. Um, and unbelievable, incredible. Um, that season was just just a fantastic end of the year. Uh, and it's been terrible ever since. Well, that, that, these are the moments that we're doing this for. We're all in our homes, not leaving, wearing our masks. So the quicker we can get back to moments like that, and the safer we can, the better. Maybe we'll have them at the end of the year. I think that's why we kind of mentioned these, you know, wicked stories, because maybe at the end of the year, you might have that for a, for a Fulham or a Brighton staying up at the end. Maybe, maybe they'll have one of those moments, but it just, ooh, can't wait. It just feels like more, doesn't it? We're, we're like, we're, it feels like we're, we've seen a lot of football. We've seen a lot of drama. We'll see somebody lift the trophy, but it, it's just missing those moments, isn't it? Those moments where you get, you know, you, you, you just can't help but grab the stranger next to you and just celebrate. And and I don't know, it, it, it's missing a little bit of that soul, isn't it? Some of the football. Um, I can't wait, can't wait for, for a return to, to stadiums. And, and I, I actually think we'll get a shock at how good it is when, once it comes back. I think, oh. um, I think we, yeah, we just need that, don't we? Blow up a bit of steam. Uh, watch the boys win, watch the boys lose, watch the boys mostly um, just be very average and draw. <laughs> um, but yeah, fingers crossed for the big old derby moments to come back, for those big old relegation battles to be won. And uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But hopefully from June, we can get back to, to celebrating these big old moments for next season. Uh, and in the Euros, if that happens in England. Um, Mr. Wilson, what's coming up with Match of the Day magazine this week? Oh, we've got a very, very cool new issue, Michael. Um, this is a You Are a Superstar Baller issue. So Jeez. we're tasking you with picking your dream life. You've got £500 million to spend, what club you want to play for, who you want your new celeb friend to be, your cheeky new pet, everything about your life. We want you to pick it if you had the choice. It's wicked. But then we've also got stuff on Messi's next move because that's coming up this summer, potentially, maybe, maybe. And some of the best beards football has ever seen. So there is something for everyone in the new MRTD mag. I mean, 
did you get permission for my picture for that feature or or, or, or no. in football michael in football not in talking about opinions that's all we've got mate mm, mm, mm. also dream life by the way i mean you, you're mentioning that feature as i'm sitting with my laptop propped up on a shelf drawer sitting on the floor with a microphone stacked on a tupperware box um talking to jake wilson with an unmade bed behind me um, if that isn't the dream life, then then I don't know what is. And on that glorious note, um, come to radiotimes.com slash TV slash sport. Um, I've got to add the TV bit in there now. Um, and we've got all the latest previews. We've got all the Premier League stuff coming up. We've got all previews for uh, for Europe- European football, including Champions League and Europa League. Uh, and we have some Six Nations coming back this weekend, uh, as well as the Players' Championship in uh, in snooker and i mean i was gonna say we got lots of coverage about the england india test cricket um but during the recording of this podcast i imagine i imagine it's pretty much over by now <laughs> two day internationals that's the way forward we don't need five days when you do it in two thank you very much for listening take care speak to you next week